Hello lacrosse fans and welcome to episode 35 of At The Face. This week we're talking with head men's field lacrosse coach Doug Shanahan. Before we do, a very special thanks goes out to the show's Patreon supporters for keeping the show afloat. If you want to show your support, head over to Patreon and search for At The Face. Alright, here we go. This is episode 35 with Doug Shanahan. It's alright my man, don't worry. So how are you, you good? I'm doing great. Just you know, in the uh, in the process here of preparing for home internationals. Um, you no, know, Sam Pat will be running the uh, the ship for that. Yep, yep. Um, and then I have the high school playoffs. Oh wow! Over here, super in, busy in there. Florida. Is that where you're from, Florida? Uh, well, currently yes, and since 2008, yes. Okay. So. Um, yeah, but born and raised in New York, in uh, oh, okay. Suffolk County, Long Island. Right, so the actually hotbed of um, of lacrosse. Yeah. No wonder you you play the sport. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, cool. Let's get into it then, Doug. So, where did you first get into lacrosse? In Suffolk County, Long Island. <laughs> um, School. So. This is a long time ago. Okay. Uh, I guess time. I was about eight years old, somewhere along there, around there. And, um, you know, I'm born and raised, big, big football family. Okay. And I was part of the Sachem Athletic Club, which was called SAC. Um, and we all played football together, and that was travel football. And,. That same group of friends and families also played lacrosse. So we would travel down to Maryland, Cockeysville, Maryland, right, and stay with families um, and get our butts kicked a little bit in lacrosse. <laughs> Eventually, we started traveling down there for fo- football to, to pay back the favor. <laughs> uh, so we, we were able to win in football. Uh, not always the best in lacrosse at that time. They were a little bit more ahead of us skill-wise, at least for um, this team that I was a part of. But um, Long Island's quite popular for it, isn't it? For oh, it's the hotbed. Yeah, we we produce the, the 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 tough players. Okay, all right. I think I've heard that <laughs> reputation before. Yeah, it goes. yeah. So this, I was part of a, a great program and uh, a lot of great coaches and a lot of great. Uh, players that came out of those programs, and 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 continued to do so. The, the Sachem area, um, which is the school I went to, uh, is surrounded by tons of great schools: Ward, Melville, Patchogue, Bedford, um, for example, a West Islip. You know that produced uh, really really great players. So uh, I was blessed to be you know fortunate enough. To be a part of that, and you know, getting back to my younger eight, younger years, you know, we were playing box against the Canadians. We so the same trip we used to take down to uh, Maryland in the winter, we used to go up to oh, Canada wow. and play them against box in box. Um, so I really looking back, I mean, the group of coaches and parents and families that I was a part of was kind of like really, really, really like far advanced because yep. like this is what we're doing now. 
like I run clubs. I'm, I I run um, True Empire, and I'm a part of the the True Lacrosse family, which is the largest uh, club in the United States. Okay. Uh, they're they're in over eighteen states, and I am the southeast manager. Oh wow! For 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 true in Florida. Okay. So and it's it's grown leaps and bounds in Florida in the last three years. Uh, my good buddy Macasilia um, is the uh, the head guy in Florida, and we have a great relationship. And so basically, we're doing the same thing uh, for our programs, taking them out of state taking them up to, well, up to the Northeast uh, to play the top talent in the country. Um, so I'm, I'm blessed to re- repeat the pattern. Yeah, so you're playing them in their backyard effectively is what right. you guys would call but, it, right? But now, but I'm, now I'm, I'm doing it as a coach instead of a player. So <laughs> um, the, the lessons that I've learned um, as a child, and you know, I try to apply them. Yep. To to you know to my coaching style, so it's 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 a blessing for sure to be able to to be a part of this great game, and you know obviously being the the head coach for Team England now, um, really has cemented my uh, my journey. That's awesome. So you played. You said you played football and lacrosse. Was that? I, I know you played it at, at Hofstra. You did both at Hofstra, and I've got a question about that. But did you just play football lacrosse the whole way through? I did. Wow. I did. Um, so as a child, uh, which is an eternity ago, it was <laughs> like, uh, I was very, very fortunate enough to be a part of the Rosemont gang, <laughs> which right. it wasn't a gang. But, um, <laughs> I, listen, my, my closest friends um, as a child, you know, my good buddies, Teddy, Anthony, Joey, and, and and a ton of others. There wasn't a sport we didn't play. Right. And we kind of ran the neighborhood. Like, you you were nuts to, to drive through our, our hockey game <laughs> in the middle of the street. Like, we, did, we didn't really move. So it's know? not like Wayne's World with game on, game yes, off. It was like, like you so, can move elsewhere. Uh, yeah, but, but we didn't move the nets. They drove around our nets. I swear. That's amazing. I swear. Like, we, we had... We had... And it's nuts to, to even describe. We had like football lines, like American football lines, yeah. like spray painted on people's houses, like on on their curbs no for way. every first down. And we played two hand touch, two hand touch in, in the in the street. But a lot of us like to go on people's lawns, so it became tackle football <laughs> on people's front lawns. This is amazing, and people didn't complain because. You know, they're, they're, yeah. <laughs> their light bulbs may have disappeared <laughs> during Christmas. I, we never did that, but they may have disappeared <laughs> during Christmas. All, all, the, all, the, all, their, all their outside trees. So, but listen, we had a great neighborhood. We, we protected our neighborhood. But getting back to your question, there wasn't a sport that we didn't play. I'm with you. I'm with Between you. wrestling, um, hockey. Uh, they didn't play too much lacrosse. I was actually the only kid in the neighborhood that played lacrosse. Really? Uh, basketball, but it, it was like if we, you knew it was a good game when it was nearly fisticuffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, street rules. And we, stuff. We, yeah, well, listen, and, and we're all the best of friends now. Um, 
and we're we're kind of spread out through the uh, through the states. You know, I'm in Florida. Two of my good buddies are still in Long Island, and my other good buddy is in, in Colorado. So those guys helped shape and make me the player that I became. Because when you talk about competitive environments, yeah. you were competitive like when it was snowing outside. We were playing like tackle rug football on your knees inside my house. Like just the, the greatest of memories, the greatest of memories. Um, so that competitive nature was, you know, help created through those constant battles. And like I said, I grew up in a family that was you know, a big football family. Um, and my dad taught us so many life sports excuse me, life skills through sports. I mean, his sport was basketball. He wanted me to play basketball, I was, which I did until eighth grade. I um, was pretty good at it. Uh, played baseball to eighth grade, wrestled to eighth grade, lacrosse and football. So I, my eighth grade year, I think I did five or six. I was doing travel. Oh I, I, I'm not really sure how I did it all, but yeah. my dad and my brothers made sure that I was, you know, sometimes neighbors' parents drove me <laughs> to get amazing. to get it done. So when I got to ninth grade, I had some decisions to make, um, and I ended up just doing football and lacrosse, which was, you know, also a full time gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. I've got a question for you because I don't know if it's the same then as it is now. What we uh, in the UK and obviously we we play at university level here too. There's not a lot of time. <laughs> Or a lot of free time, if you will, um, if you play one sport. You went to Hofstra and played football and lacrosse. How, yep. like, humor me. How do, how do you even do that? I don't really get how that works. If <laughs> so you know it, I mean. it kind of piggybacks on your first question. So in high school, when I made the choice, I did it all the way through. And there was club, lacrosse, and football was a year-round commitment. Um, we didn't have spring football like they did like they do now, especially in Florida. Yep. Um, but I was, I just juggled and I competed. Um, I was gifted enough to miss some of the other commitments that football players were making and also gifted enough to miss some of the cross um, commitments that, you know, and coaches were flexible. I was going to say, were they all right I had that, a very good coaches. I had Coach Bizarro, um, and he was an outstanding, uh, is an outstanding man, an outstanding coach. Um, I had Coach Mercurio, Coach Patillo, Coach Castagna, Coach Murphy um, in lacrosse in high school. And then I was fortunate enough to have Coach Gardy uh, in football at Hofstra. Um, and the amazing coaching tree that he had under his staff at that time. Um, he had Coach Quinn, who went to the Super Bowl with the Atlanta Falcons. Coach Raheem Morris, who won the Super Bowl with the Atlanta Falcons, coaching me. I was actually his first All-American uh, back way back when. And oh, then wow. he went on through the New York Jets, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, who he, he became the head coach of. Um, uh, coach Flood, who I believe is now the, the head coach of Rutgers University. And I just had amazing people around me. And at the time, I didn't know it. And, you know, I'm just so grateful that my football side of me had those experiences. And then on my lacrosse side, obviously I had Coach Donowski um, at Hofstra, who's now 
you know, national championship winner from uh, from Duke University. Yep. Or at Duke University, still there. Uh, and then I had Coach Tierney, who was there with me at Hofstra. So just overall blessed from it's my experiences. Names, isn't and it? then from, <laughs> from all those great personalities yeah. and guys who are driven, uh, helped further my coaching philosophy. And even at the time when I was playing, I didn't necessarily realize I was already developing who I was going to be as a coach. Because, you know, you, you pick and choose, uh, sometimes subconsciously, sometimes on purpose, um, how you're going to be and what your presence is going to be a, as a coach. And sometimes coach players need different sides of you, uh, depending on what kind of personality they have and what kind of personality, personality you have naturally. And then sometimes there are scenarios that require adjustments. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, again, I was forced from ninth, eighth grade to ninth grade to kind of make decisions because I, I probably could have been good at all the sports, but I, want, I, you know, I wanted to be great. And I was a football family guy, and lacrosse kind of really, really came natural to me. Plus, it was the greatest crossover sport. Yeah. Um, and, you know, American football was, was and still is my number one sport, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, and I was fortunate enough to go professional, you know, in, in lacrosse, um, excuse me, in, in football first. Yep. I was, I was a member of the New York Jets. I had a cup of coffee there, they, they like to say. <laughs> uh, and then, I, you know, I played, and I guess, 12 to 13 years professionally in, in the MLL. So let's talk about uh, that. So you, you've, yep. I guess it, I don't know the timelines very well, but you came out of college. Was it then um, go and have the, the stint with the New York Jets? Or yeah. what, what happened at that stage after college? Well, let me, let me just kind of like piggyback on one more thing. So as I was matriculating through high school, okay, and I went through that recruiting process that goes on, I didn't want to give up. Like, so I say football is my number one. Yeah. But like lacrosse was like 1A, you know, very, very, not very distant one tight competition and yeah and i you know and football was more challenging let's just be honest there, there's bigger stronger athletes there and i i became great at lacrosse because of football mm -hmm. and i became great at football because of lacrosse like i said it's a great crossover so i knew i didn't i wasn't prepared to give one give up one for the other it, it just wasn't going to happen and everybody told me i was nuts Yep. I remember the conversations I had with coaches that told me I was too small, too slow. Even when I got to Hofstra, they told me that I wasn't going to be able to play defensive back because I was too small, too slow. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, listen, every story has got its challenges and every story has its adversities. And this day and age, like if you use the word adversity – it's like, it's not, it's not good. Okay. The, the biggest growth comes through adversity. And sometimes as a coach, you have to create adversity, you know, not nothing crazy, but you have to create some adversity, Yeah. you know, through, through the, the challenges and losses in our life, you know, we rise from, from the ashes, bigger, stronger, faster. And 
you know, it, it's the best tool to me. And, you know, when I'm challenged, when I got some exterior um, negativity or criticism, I, 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 as a player, I was definitely usually at my best because it inspired me to prove people wrong. And it still does to this day. I love the naysayers. <laughs> it, 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 they may annoy me a little bit in the beginning, but it just keeps putting fuel on my fire. Something's proved wrong, right? Puts fuel on my fire. So I had decisions to make, and my decision was I was going to play both. And I scared away a lot of big-time universities because they wanted that full-time commitment. Yeah. You know, I was close to going to Army and Navy at West Point and Annapolis, which is my dad really wanted me to go to, but he really, really, really wanted me to go to Georgetown. <laughs> right, yeah, well. <laughs> and, you know, so, and all these schools would have, they said, they would have let me play both. So when it came down to it, it was like Hobart, uh, Hofstra was in the mix, mm-hmm. uh, Delaware, um, Georgetown, uh, Ar- Ar- like I said, Annapolis, and it was, it was all the schools that was they said they were allowing me to play two sports. So at the end of the day, it came down to, you know, just a few that I really, really wanted. Um, I probably would have been a blue hat at Delaware if the football coaches were a little bit better with me, but they weren't. They, they told me, again, I was too small, too slow. Yeah. Um, so I went to Hofstra, and it was a little easier to go to Hofstra because I had some bloodlines there. My... My brother, my my closest brother in age, um, Patrick, went to Hofstra. And if you know anything about American football, you know, he was lucky enough to uh, have Wayne Corbett as his roommate, uh, who ended up being a longtime pro, all pro with, with the New York Jets. Um, so th- there was a natural line of succession. You know, it, it wasn't done on purpose, but when, when I made the, the decision... There was a lot of comforting facts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up going to Hofstra to play both. And when you talk about challenges, um, and I look back, I'm not even sure how I did it. Because, you know, you get so jaded from this day and age of what's actually tough. Yeah. So, you know, it's a very, very white glove in my in my experience especially with the kids I deal with. Very, very white glove, soft, you know, you can't really hurt anyone's feelings, you know, and, and, and challenges are, are whoa, you, you know. Um, and they still exist, don't get me wrong. But but the, that blue-collar, um, tough coach is, you know, a dying breed. Yeah. It's yeah. a dying breed. So um, I, take, I take a little bit of pride of make sure that I honor – I honor those who helped shape me because I don't think I ran across any coaches that were using kitty gloves <laughs> and that were soft and worried about, you know, giving me good jobs on my butt for doing my job. If I'm picking up a ground ball, I don't expect it. I don't expect, oh, my God, that was amazing. Yeah. No, you picked up a ground ball. That's your job. Yeah, that's what you're expected to do. That's what you're expected to do. And, you know, that's just not my philosophy. You know, you want to do you, you do special things as a team, and you know I again I take those philosophies from those coaches, that demeanor, that that tough man attitude, 
uh, and, and it shapes me as a coach. So for better, for worse, that's who I am. Um, and Hofstra gave me so many blessings. For, for however the path fell, 20, God bless them all, 20-something years ago, <laughs> in 1997, which is like 25 years ago, um, it fell, fell in the right way. And, and even when I got there, even when I got there, there was naysayers, and there were people who didn't believe, um, and I had to believe in myself. I can imagine it makes the the coach's job difficult. Like you're saying, like they don't mind me playing two sports, but for a lacrosse coach who's trying to run a program, he is he's probably thinking, "Well, hang on, this is actually making my job tricky. It's trickier, isn't it? It's, it's, it's got yeah. more things to think about. You're not there as much, so I can see I could see mm-hmm. why." So, not fall of 1997, I'm playing football, and I'm coming off an injury from an All Star game. Excuse me. From an all-star game in July, which actually happened at Hofstra as well. Um, so there was a fall. Excuse me. There was a, uh, an all-star game. It's July 3rd or 4th, which is our Independence Day. And there is a county-to-county Suffolk-to-Nassau all-star game. And I'm playing with guys who are going D1, top, top dogs. And I'm the first guy down. Shockingly, <laughs> on the opening kickoff, I make the opening tackle, and guys who are going to Syracuse and you know top, top dogs, big big time schools. I'm the first guy down, make the opening tackle, and somebody clip, clips me funny, and I, I had no idea until I got up and I was like, mm, that doesn't feel normal, yeah. and it was my knee, and I stayed in for three more, you know, just me being the competitor. Usually I just keep chugging through, you know, and the knee was certainly not normally feeling. So I had to get out and I ended up having this like grade three MCLA sprain oh my God. In, in a, in a soft cast for months after, oh but you know, my, my mind was saying, keep playing, keep yeah. playing, keep playing, keep playing. And cause that's, it's the same thing I tell my kids now, you keep playing, you keep playing until you can't. And after about three plays, the leg it just wasn't moving right. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> like, okay, you can persist for so long. <laughs> I'm past. I am. I'm officially past the hurt stage, <laughs> and I'm in the injured stage. And I and I knew, and I knew. And you know, one of my guys now, speaking for the team I'm coaching right now, not not the England team, but just for the high school, I'm, it's the same mentality. You keep pushing them because they're capable of more than they actually know yeah. or believe until they really put their hand up and say, coach, now I can't do it. I said, okay, great. Now, now you're injured. Go see the trainer, <laughs> go see the trainer. And then now it's in her hands. Um, <laughs> but you know, just, you, you gotta keep pushing. You know, the way you make diamonds is pressure. And I believe that wholeheartedly when it comes to athletes, you know, and the, they need that constant pressure through practice. They need the constant pressure through gameplay, and they certainly need the constant pressure here. Because when this when this fails, especially during during gameplay or, or you know in between the lines, then the team fails. So you know they need to have that constant challenge in practice and mentally to develop the grit. Because in this day, and again, this is getting back to what I believe in this day and age. 
it, it's not happening naturally. Um, you know, the, everything's much more protected. Yeah. Um, communities are much more protected. So, you know, those challenges, this is why, this is why sports are so, so, so much more valuable today because they're getting those challenges. Um, that they might not normally experience. Uh, you know, I think, you know, just to think about the way I grew up, my parents never got involved in anything, especially if something. If I did something, I dealt with my coach, and the coach dealt with me. Yeah. My parents didn't step in until it was like, you know, you're, it would have to be actually abusive. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, your coach, you deal with him. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't go home to, to my parents – and my parents would call the coach. That would never happen. Yeah. Ever. Because that would mess up the maturation process. So how much would you put that... Because, that, I mean, coaching... A lot of coaching nowadays is, is books. And you have to have this ticket and this qualification. It You can't learn certain things through books. And you can't learn certain things through um, qualifications. I take a lot of my... Um, coaching ethos, if you will, from other coaches. Like you said earlier, you find what works for you and you yep. go with it and you help mold yourself in that way. How much would you take, would you say, sorry, um, is the way you coach now is you finding your kind of natural way of coaching and how much of it has been influenced by the, the impressive list of coaches that you've mentioned already that you had working with or that you, you've seen them coach and you've kind of reacted to the way that they've taught you? Uh, you know, I think a lot of that depends on the feedback you get. Let me start again. So my personal belief is that you teach the player and you coach the team. Mm -hmm. And, you know, depending on the, where a certain player is at, you have to use different techniques. Some players need to be bludgeoned over the head with information and, you know, discipline. Other players who are, more self-controlled and more um, naturally motivated. Okay, you can, you can handle them differently. Yeah, because they're not hard-headed. Hard-headed people need to experience it themselves. Sometimes over and over and over again before yeah. they finally get it. Some of them never get it. Yeah, they will never get it. You know, I'm thinking. And of a I few was examples. a little bit more on the hard-headed <laughs> side. I was, just to be honest. I was. I was. I was a little bit more hard-headed, and then so then when I have hard-headed players, okay, I'm a little, I'm really really tough on them because I want them to get it now. I don't want them to wait until they're thirty. Yep. Okay, again, getting back to, I'm doing this to teach these guys life skills, not to repeat mistakes over and over again. Okay, winning games is important. Okay, but who they are and who they become as men is my most important thing. So if I have to challenge them, if they have to see me as this person that's, I can't use that word on, you know, podcast, but tough. You can say what you tough. want, but. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, you, know, you never know who's listening. Keep it PC. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, I, I challenge people and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Okay. Because it's, it's about what, the, what happens from those challenges, who you become. Okay. In adversity, character is revealed. There's no other way to, to describe it. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes, and sometimes you need to create some adversity and that, that's okay too. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, when I think about some of the things that I didn't understand as a player and I think about how I am as a coach, I'm like, man, I must have been tough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I must have been tough to deal with. 
because you know I I knew who I who, what I was becoming and what I was do, doing, and I didn't get along with every coach. But guess what? I dealt with the coach. I I had conversations with the coach. We came to different understandings. Okay, and and it helped me grow as a person because I had to use skills dealing with an adult that. You know, with my friends and different languages, you know, language barriers because I'm, you know, dealing with an adult that it helped me grow as a person. It got me out of my comfort zone and it put me into a growth mindset and I didn't even know it and I didn't even appreciate it. But now I can look back 20 years from now and say that really helped me. Yeah. That adversity really helped me. And again, there's a ton of ton of growth through positive experiences too. Don't get me wrong, and what's what's I'm a big believer in as well. Um, you know, so what percentage of is me? You know, I would say probably a good amount because I grew up in a, in, a, in a highly competitive family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my father, you know, God bless his soul, um, taught us. You know, we had more conversations and about life dribbling a basketball in our backyard than we did at sitting at a table. Yeah. We weren't sitting at a table. You know, we had, you know, it was, it, your academics were done, hopefully, and we were out in the backyard either playing wiffle ball. This is our backyard. Yeah. Wiffle ball or basketball. And that's how we conversated. You know, we busted each other's chops. If you weren't busting each other's chops, you know, what in this day and age you need that? It's that yeah. mental toughness. Okay, they're saying this about me. How am I going to respond? Am I going to break down and cry? Am I going to break? No, I'm going to come up with something witty. Um, and my brothers taught me that, and you know that became a sign of love. Like if they weren't busting my chops, something's wrong. I, I must have <laughs> I must have did something really really bad because yeah. I was being ignored. <laughs> if you're being ignored, you're in trouble. <laughs> and it's true. It's true. It's true. They're busting my chops because they care about me. Yeah. I'm with you. Absolutely. I'm with Plus, they're trying to take one, you know, take one off me a little bit. But yeah, that, that's growth. It is. It's growth. It's and, and, and listen, I would not trade any of those experiences on anything. Like you I said, trade in this day and age. That's what when I think of my brothers and my family and my dad. You know, that's what I think of. That those, those times, those challenging times, which which is like the best times. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then just from coaches, you know, Coach Danowski was big on books and philosophy, and we do some of that. You know, now nowadays, you know, Coach Danowski was probably ahead of his time. Now they call that t- team building. Yeah, you know, and some of the things that um, we do now is fr- is from him for sure. And be- my competitive edge, Coach Tierney, <laughs> you know. Definitely comes from him. He's got he's fire, boy. Yeah. And you know, when I was a player, we clashed. Now we're like, I text him, he texts me, and we call and we check in, and because I think we we found common ground, you know. And because at the time I wasn't mentally mature enough. Let's just be honest. I wasn't mentally mature enough. I didn't understand. I didn't. I didn't get it. I didn't get what they were trying to do. And you know, they kept pushing me, and great things happened. But I didn't understand the. The life part, at the time, I understood. That, I understand they were motivating me as a player. Yeah. But you know, they saw things that needed to be attended to, and that's why I grow as a man. You know, that's as we all do. 
You know, I'm not afraid to say it. We're, this, we all need to continue to grow as people, uh, continue to grow uh, as players, as coaches, and in any profession we do. Um, so, yeah, it, there's definitely it's, – it's a healthy balance. Yep. You know, and like anybody, depending on uh, what's going on in your day, you might get you might get Coach Sinowski, you might get Coach Tierney, you could get Coach Emmer, who coached me from in Team USA, <laughs> you know. So, you know, we're always bouncing things off, you know, and that's why you have a staff to always um, have a barometer. It's good to have another number of angles as well, isn't it? If people know what you're oh, going to do as a coach, it's, it's, you're it's, a, it's a heck of a dynamic. Yeah, it's a heck imagine. of a dynamic. <laughs> Who's turning up today? Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool, 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 cool. Um, so tell us about the NOL and MOL briefly. Like, what, what, when did that happen? You, you tied that in with a trip at the New York uh, Jets yeah, as so well. You, I mean, your previous question was um, about the Jets and 2002. So I graduated in 01, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, and that summer, I actually won the uh, Tewarton Trophy which is equivalent to the Heisman Award, which is the best player in the country. Yep. Uh, that, so, to this day, I'm still the only guy from Hofstra. Um, oh, really? To, 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 yeah, yeah. That's quite an achievement, man. Yeah, that's an achievement in itself. Um, you know, and, and, and it's something, that, it's a badge of honor that I, that I carry, you know, re- representing Hofstra. And listen, I, I still try to help those guys getting players. and I, I have sent players there. Um, for lacrosse, and you know it's just something that that I carry, and and, I, and I'm super prideful about. So in one I was able to win win the Toronto Trophy, the best player in the country, and then because I remember what I said, I was injured when I went to yep. college. Yep. I redshirted, which was the best thing for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, this day and age, people talk about redshirting. I, it's a, it's a bad thing. So basically, the UK in, guys, in, that's where you have a year out. Yeah? Sorry, for the UK guys that don't know redshirting, that's where you like you medically take a year out. Correct? It could be for medical or just because you're not ready to play. So it means you're and eligible for, mine, it was for one more. Both. I, I wasn't strong enough to play at the level. You know, considering where I was as a senior to where I was as a freshman, so a redshirt. Depending on whether it's academic, health reasons, or just, you know, you don't see the field. Yep. And, and a lot of thought process that you're trading your worst year for your best year, which is your senior year. I'm with you. Uh, my best year of football was actually my my regular senior year <laughs> because I battled through injury. Um, if I would have had the senior year as a junior uh, eligibility wise, I definitely would have got drafted. There's no doubt about it because I had an av- average or above average year, but I played through injury yep. the whole time. I had terrible, terrible ankle sprains, didn't miss a game, played through it. Nobody was going to tell him, keep me off the field. Like, bad. Like, like, I thought for sure my leg was broke. And I told coaches on Monday, I said, don't give up on me yet. Four days of rehab, <laughs> thing was a balloon. They taped me up on Friday. They made me run around in circles, and I was in, like, excruciating pain. Okay? But I had to make it look like I didn't have a limp. And I, I made it look like I didn't have a limp. And I had to actually had to do that more than tw- more than two times oh because I did it in lacrosse my senior year, and then I, I did my other leg 
in football in my senior year. So I had, you know, again, that mental toughness where I wasn't going to let my body beat my brain. Yep. And I don't know if that exists the way it should. You know, yes, I understand there's injuries. I get it. But I was injured, but I wasn't going to be like, you know, I wasn't going to make it worse. I just had to suck it up. And I did that. Anyway, so I played my senior year lacrosse, won a Toronto trophy, and then there's the Team USA tryout. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is 2001, just before 9 11. Right. Just before 9 11. It's July. Okay. I go, I make the team, and then the stick goes in the bag. And, and, cause, because I made, I went to the tryout. But in my mind, I'm still I'm going to the NFL. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well, yeah. But you know, you gotta go through the process. I didn't I didn't know what was gonna happen. Um then, you know, so Hofstra is like uh not too far from New York City. You know, Long Island's just straight out. And uh I remember getting back to Coach Raheem Morris, him telling the story of going up to to our library, which was our biggest building on campus, uh-huh. and watching the fires from, of the Twin Towers, like oh it was, it was in sight. Um, probably like fifteen miles, but you, you know, it was a mess yeah. that day. Um, and I still remember where I was, just like anybody in, in, does. Um, and my roommate waking me up to put the TV on, put the TV on. Um, probably should have been in class, <laughs> but I was in my room. Um, and then the football season got a got a pause yep. for a week, and then we got back to playing. A week later, we all had badges, and then it was a week after that I got hurt, um, and I, I just kept playing. Um, so that finishes my 2001 season. I had a good season. I didn't have the season I had as a junior, but I had a good season. Um, you know, I was first team All American as a junior uh, eligibility wise. Eligibility wise, and as a senior, I was like a third or honorable mention. Um, I, I just wasn't as productive. Yep. Um, then there's the draft coming. Right again, the stick's been in the bag since July of '01. Like bad, like got a lot of dust on it. Like I haven't picked <laughs> it up at all. At all, oh, wow. and I'm training for the draft. Sal Losi is my personal trainer, who was also my good buddy that was training me. Uh, excuse me, that was my teammate at Hofstra first, yep. and then he started to become a personal trainer. Was like a grad assistant at Hofstra. Somehow got to the Jets through connections because the Jets and Hofstra were on the same campus. Okay, at that time, like we sh- literally shared the same space. Like, the Jets training camp was on Hofstra's, like, territory, per se. Which is now just Hofstra because the Jets moved away. Anyway, he moved on to having a great, great, great um, career in training. So, he was training me. Uh, I had my pro day. Was not invited to the uh, combine, which was fine. Which is usually the case for 1AA guys. Yeah. Um, And he helped me get my bench up, my squad up. Um, I think I, for my pro day, which my family was, you know, I, I didn't grow up too far from Hofstra. It was 45 minutes. It was okay. far enough away from home 
that if I needed my laundry done, yeah, you, take your, you know, your mom can help me out on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> but if I wanted to be away, you know, it was far enough. Yeah. Um, so it was a great, you know, median. Um, so for my pro day, I think I did 225, 17 times. I think they only counted 15, and I was arguing for those two, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I ran a 4.540, you know, which is pretty good for, for a guy who was, ended up being pretty big and tall, you know, was yep. 6'1", and running around at, at like uh, 220 okay. at that time, but I was like no fat, just ripped and mean and hungry for the NFL. And um, so on on draft day, we have a small party. I, listen, I have an agent, you know, and things are going well, and I'm doing all, everything I'm supposed to do, you know, and – it's a draft day, and it's just me, my brothers, and you know my family, and it's the sixth round. And at that time, there was only six rounds. So the phone rings, ding. My brother answers the phone because we're sitting at his house, yep, uh, you know, in in, uh, in my Satrum hometown. And the phone rings, and it's Indianapolis Colts. And we're going to draft you next. And obviously the whole house jumps up and down. Yep. And everyone's happy. And we're watching that ticker. And my name never came across. What? Something happened Something happened between the lines. No so way. I was devastated. Listen, when you talk about challenges, you know, they, they took took a safety from Miami, who, who they later ended up cutting. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, so that night I had to go back. And I was like, this is, this is going to be the day of my life. And... The phone rang. They said my name, but it never came across that ticker on ESPN. Um, so I was devastated. Yeah, I um, had a hard time sleeping that night. You know, I think I had some good good buddies and family support, and we got through it. You know, because you know then then there's the next level of you're a free agent. Yep. And you could sign that way. Well, I didn't have to wait long. Did not have to wait long. I think by the time I woke up, or I might have even gotten woken up. Uh, I was walking over to the Jets facility, which was a little bit odd and funny, <laughs> that they were going to sign me to a free agent contract. So it was the day after the draft. like, And, you know, I want I want from suck to blow in one phone call, which yeah. is, you know, a pretty amazing thing. Because you know, I, I, was, I was down dark. Yeah, I could Dark. Like everything I had worked for, you know, and I wasn't thinking about tomorrow. But, but just like, you know... The sun comes up, and it's a new day, and you never know what you're going to get. And I was able to, literally, I had to walk over to the Jets facility, a place I had never been, <laughs> inside. And the secretary comes out with my contract. I sign it. I walk right back out. And I was like, okay, so what do I do now? <laughs> so it was about a week later. You know, you go through the process of you know, paperwork and all that stuff. And I was still in grad school at Hofstra. And I was going to the Jets facility because I, I, my last year for football, I had graduated and I did a number of credits right. for grad school. Um, and then I was with the Jets and then tick, 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 or knock, knock, knock. Team USA is calling post 9-11. Um, what are you going to do? Because now it's a 2002 year. And what are you going to do? Because you represent the country. 
and it's post 9-11, and we need you. So I, I went over to, to Herm Edwards, who was the head coach of the time for the Jets, and I, I spoke to him, and he said, listen, we can't, we, we can't let you go. And I, listen, I totally understood. Yeah. I, I, okay, listen, you know, if we're not pl- talking about high school or even no. college athletics here. We're talking about a multi-billion dollar company, the NFL, and, and, I'm, and I'm super privileged to be a part of it. And the initial answer was no. And I got it. And I, Coach Emmer, who happened to be the head coach for Team USA, who was at the time also the head coach for West Point, you know, you know the most like prestigious uh, naval, excuse me, most most prestigious, prestigious, sorry, academy for military in the world. Yep. Now I know Annapolis people might might be upset about that name for that. <laughs> The, the Navy, but we, I also have family members members as far as that goes as well. But anyway, he was the head coach for you know the West Point, and also the head coach for Team USA at the time. So I told him, and he wasn't obviously super happy. Yep. And funny enough, he actually got drafted by the Jets in like the sixties. No yeah, so there was like all these connections going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you um, kind of knew what you were going through. Yes, yes. I was like, oh my God, this guy's like my guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. football up in the cross. Um, and he took it upon himself, un- unbeknownst to me, to uh, to write a letter, like old school letter, with like a no stamp and an envelope and a handwritten letter. Again, didn't know. This, this was going on. So one day I'm walking down the hallway and it's like late June, early July. And her Herm Edwards goes, Shani, which is my short name for Shanahan, which most people go, call me by. Uh, Shani, we're going we're gonna to let you go. So I stop in my tracks. <laughs> and I'm like, you're going you're gonna to let what? me go? I'm like... Coach, come on. Already? Like, we haven't even got the training camp. <laughs> He'll let me go. He goes, no, 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 knucklehead. <laughs> We're going to let you go represent the country and play the cross in the world championships. I said, are you sure? He said, yeah, we're sure. We're going to let you go. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big deal. I said, okay. And, and, you know, like I said, it was – Football and then the cross was the, it wasn't far off the board. Yeah, absolutely. So I was excited, but I was also like, um, what does that mean for me? That am I, am I not that value? Like my my subconscious starts playing that other thing. If you don't know that, like, you've written a letter as thinking well. About letting me go. I mean, am I really that valued? Like you know. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I took the opportunity, and I, that's what they gave me. They gave me a heck of an opportunity, and it happened to fall just right with the World Games. Um, and the Jets, Jets training camp. So we were actually off, and they have like OTAs, which right. are optional. Um, but they usually give you a couple of days off right before training camp. And training camp is like no joke. Like six a.m. the ten p.m. meetings, practice, you know, weigh-ins, hydration. Like, and it's nice. Like, it's a big deal. Yeah. So I was fortunate enough not to miss any of that. So I actually go to training camp. I think it was right before my brother's wedding, which was like a whole other thing. <laughs> so I had to go by myself and meet the team uh, at Stanford in California. Yep. 
right? And that stick's been in that bag a long time, <laughs> brother. <laughs> in a long time. And when I tell you that I had probably the roughest practices, and again, it was the best thing for me because it just kept motivating me. I was yeah. like, God, like I was losing the ball. People were checking my stick and it was falling out. And like I wasn't hitting the goal. Oh my, oh my gosh. So we had a week-long training camp. Thank God we did. I got my stick dialed in, you know, and I was a leather guy and, you know, I used a rocket pocket and it had to be dialed in like just right. Yeah. Because if it wasn't dialed in just right, I wasn't at my best because my confidence level and my stick, like some guys can pick up a stick. Yeah. And it's just like they've used it forever. Like they can me, borrow a stick and it's I fine. needed to have that time. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, a guy named Jimmy Butler dialed my stick in just right. Um, and he was our he was our equipment guy, team manager per se, um, and you know I had a long time history with with Jimmy Butler. He ran Lacrosse Unlimited, and he also used to run our summer leagues okay. back in Long Island. So I was like, Jimmy, <laughs> gotta help me here, dude. <laughs> yeah, because we, we had to use certain sticks per um, the sponsorship agreement. Yep. So I had to have him string me a rocket pocket, which led to a sponsorship for me later on, thank God, um, because I used our pocket. Um, and, you know, it was a tough training camp. And it was not – I was I was big, I was strong, but I was not in lacrosse shape. Yeah, we got it. So I had to transfer over from, you know, basically anaerobic, which is football, to, to aerobic where you're big and strong – uh, me, and you can last last long periods of time in a short amount of time. So I go to the training camp, and probably it was like day five or day seven where I, I started getting back to form. Okay, the team goes to Australia. I didn't. Right. And because my brother decided to get married, I had to go back to Long Island by myself. Really? By myself, do the wedding there, and you know. At my brother's wedding, I remember people, you know, they were doing the Jets cheer, you know, and, you know, it was just fun and just probably some of the best times of my life. But then when the wedding ended, I had to get back to reality and then go back to where I just was with the team, meaning the airport, yeah. L.A., and then do the <laughs> trip by myself, not with the team, not with coaches, okay? You're talking oh about my adversity, getting my mind dialed in. I'm by myself going to a, I'm going out of the country, you know, what's Post 9 11, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. We're, we're getting all plain. I can imagine. And yeah. uh, I land in, I land in Sydney, and you know, being a young guy, not realizing that it's summertime in the northern hemisphere. That I don't know what that means is that you can't wear shorts and a t shirt down to Sydney, Australia, because when you get off the plane, and you go off the plane down into the uh, tarmac. And you have to change terminals. It's snowing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm running across. I'm like, what is going on here? You know, didn't have full appreciation of the Northern Hemisphere, Southern yeah, Hemisphere yeah, yeah. Yeah, at the time. So I'm running across the terminals to get the next, the connected flight. So I'm, I'm losing the day. I think I left on the 30th of, of June. And the amount of time it takes... And you're going, you're going across the international dateline that it was like July 2nd or 3rd by the time I finally got to my oh, wow. 
destinations. So if you know anything about Australia, Sydney to Perth, which was my final destination, is like L.A. to New York. Yeah. It's, it's, it's literally on opposite sides of the country. So I get on the plane by myself again. You know, 22-year-old kid, 23-year-old kid, and I land in Perth, and it's like 60 degrees. I'm like, thank the Lord. <laughs> There's no snow. Finally, I'm dressed um, for the occasion. I met up with the team, and, and, you know, I was fortunate. Listen, I had a great group of guys, uh, really great group of guys, great team balance. Um, I'm not sure they, they, they've made a team up like that since then. In 2002, we had guys that were like college guys. Yep. You might have had one or two pros. Because, again, the MLL had just started. Yep. And then we had guys who were like old school club guys, like the Low Brothers, um, who also were pros too. But, like, the dynamic of leadership and old veteran players to, like, the youth legs yep. that we had um, just just gelled just right. Now, nowadays, in 06, it was all pro players. They were full of themselves. Um Talking about they were the best team ever before they did anything. Yeah. And guess what happened? We finished second. <laughs> <laughs> we finished second. And, you know, there's a lot of blame to go around for that, um, including myself. I didn't have the best day. I got my butt kicked on on the gold medal game. and But, you know, revenge is, you know, sweet. And a couple weeks later, the same guy who beat me, granted it wasn't on the gold medal game, I, I you know, I got him. So, you know, athletics is... Um, can, it's humbling like that. Yeah, yeah it's humbling. Like one day it's your day. One day you're in the penthouse, and guess what? The next day you're in the outhouse. Yeah, and it teaches you that ebb and flow of life. Um, and listen, that was, was hard for a while. I'll get me wrong, but yeah, you know, it's something you just you deal with and it helps you grow as a person. Um, anyway, so I was able to win the you know the gold medal in '02 and. Uh, Able to win MVP, all world, best player in my position, and you know, came home with a lot of trophies. But now it was time to go back and take off that hat, yep. take off the lacrosse hat, and hit Jets training camp, Jets training camp, and get right back into the football swing. And I was able to make it through the first cut, and uh, we played against the Steelers, we played against the Giants, we played against the Ravens. Um, there's one team I'm forgetting. Uh, and then the second cut came around. And, you know, there was only like eight, eight defensive backs left. And I knew I was doing good at training camp. I knew I was doing good at tra- training camp when the positional coach couldn't tell me apart from the second-round draft pick. <laughs> he kept calling him, no me, and me, him. Yep. And the, 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 the veterans in the room, you know, they could see it. Like, no, no, coach, that's not <laughs> Scott, that's Doug. And no, coach, that's not Doug, that's Scott. And so, you know, there, there was a little telltale sign. So yep. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not far off here. Anyway, um, probably one or two plays I, I should have made. I should have had a little more self-confidence. And I got cut. That was the last guy I cut out of the room. And I went from epic... Epic, epic, epic highs being on the cover of U.S. Lacrosse Magazine yep. and maybe in All World. And again, so I came back to the Jets and there was another letter written by her, um, by uh, Jack Emmer. And there was a whole presentation 
given by Herm Edwards, which I'm so I'm so grateful for. A very humbling experience. Just, and he didn't need to do any of that. And he called me up in front of the room, in front of like, you know, multi-million dollar players. And gave a whole speech about me. And a whole speech about 9-11 and what I did and, and winning MVP and represent the Jets. And it was, you know, that alone... You know, sometimes it's hard to get past the cutting part. Yeah. But when you, you you remove the feeling from it, and you look at the practicality and the selflessness of of coach to to take care of me the way he did. Yeah, absolutely. Even though I didn't end up being his full time player, you know, he he saw a big bigger picture. So I'm eternally grateful to Herm Edwards, even though he cut me. <laughs> <laughs> there was some really great things. You know, so if I ever see Coach Edwards again, which I haven't seen, you know, and if you remember my mug, that I, he would be a guy I give a big hug to because, you know, even though he didn't fulfill my dream or I wasn't able to fulfill my dream, he did some special things, okay? Because he could have said no. Yep. I, yeah. I, I wasn't going to go. Um, uh, Jack Emmer didn't have to take the extra time and effort to write letters. So, I mean, there's a lot of special guys in my life, coaches, and I probably don't talk about those guys enough. Uh, but Jack Emmer out of West Point and, and Herb Edwards, you know, put a huge, huge watermark of who I am as a person and the accolades and things I was able to accomplish as a player. And I'm eternally grateful to them. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Getting back to, you know, through those you know tough dy- dynamics, dealing with people, dealing with scenarios, dealing with skill levels, abilities. Um, you know, I-, I just wanted to do everything I could to compete. And whatever they asked me to do, I did. I did. Because by, by that time, I got it. I got it. And, you know, it's uh, something I try to teach my young, young guys now. And it, Carrying over to Team England, you know, uh, I haven't been able to, to been lucky enough to, to go through the fire with these guys yet because of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've been a coach there a couple of years now, and it's been a heck, heck of a time. And I give my guys credit because talk about adversity. They're, they're going through it. My coaching staff's going through it. And we're, we're on the tail end because things have opened up um, for some time now. But, you know, there, there's always the worry. Of you know when's the next bad thing gonna happen? Yeah, absolutely. You know? and, Stuff opens um, up and then shuts again, doesn't it? That's, that's yep, been the opens trait. up and shuts again. So you know when you, you talk about the blessings and uh, things we're appreciative for, you know I look at Sam Patterson and Mike Bartlett, guys who are on my staff, who are uh, tremendous coaches in their own right, tremendous people in their own right. Uh, I'm super grateful for, for both of them. Uh, because, you know, I'm over here across the pond and, you know, there's a lot of things that I don't know that I'm still learning. Yep. And a lot of things that are in their natural across DNA and things that they, they're they accustomed to because they've been there. So I lean on those guys, sometimes maybe too much. Um, but, you know, we I feel like we make a good team and I feel like we are going to do some really, really positive things here. In the next, uh, let's see, we're, we're about 13 months out, 14 months out from 2023. Um, I feel like we have a good mesh on our staff. And I feel like we have good ownership of what we need to do. Yep. Um, and I feel like the guys 
excuse me, the guys we have currently in the program and some of the guys who are kind of on the outskirts that are like kind of one leg in right now that might might make the jump um, come August because that's, that's our next tryout um, could re- really, really help us. You know, and when you look at my competitive nature um, as a coach, as a player, former, former player, I, I run around on Sunday sometimes, but <laughs> it's not the same. You know, my, my, my mind keeps telling me, but now my body's finally like, I think he's done enough now. So I'm I with you. To my body a little more than I ever did uh, as I uh, get up there. Um, but just, you know, listen, our, our goals as any competitor in the stage that we're in, this is our forum. Okay. We're part of the world championships. Okay, our number one goal is to win, win a gold medal. Yep. That's that's listen. I don't care what you've done before. I don't care what your history is. This is our number one goal. Okay, our second goal is to, to be at least be in that championship game. Okay, and that would put us out of silver. Now, the practicality side of me says, how do I define my job? And how do I know I've done a good job? Okay? It, it, it's on the process. It's on the process. Okay? What impact have I had on England lacrosse? Okay? What, what impact have I had on England lacrosse? Okay? So when I look back on that, okay, through through the clinics, that I'm, I'm putting an impact on the philosophies of my father, my brother's, all the great coaches, Danowski, Gardy, um, and all of his coaching tree, Coach Tierney, Coach Emmer, okay? And even my staff now, man, a man that I admire and I love being a part of, you know, the John Davises of the world, the John Panchukins of the world, okay? The Chris Gallows of the world, the Macasillias of the world, the guys who are in my, my, my current barometer, who I bounce ideas off of. Who I respect, yep. who impact me daily. Okay, and those aren't names to, to to people outside of my circle, but to me, they're they're on the same level and value of my previous coaches because these guys are are, are are they're my family, you know. And I'm blessed to have you know a beautiful wife, Beverly, and, and kids, Riley, uh, Aubrey, and Amelia, and Elliot that you know support what I do and. And it's just, it's just a it's a heck of a thing that, I, that I'm able to do these things. So what my impact is on England lacrosse, how have I bettered their programs? That's what I'm going to judge success by. Okay, Am I able to move them up in the world ranking from, I think they're currently five? Yeah. Am I, am I able to, to get past Australia? When I, when I mean say I, I mean... The as team, a, yeah, 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 as a team, yeah, yeah, the, you know, me and my staff and the boys, because those, those are my guys, you know, and I appreciate every single one of them, and and they're they're still sacrificing because there's a lot of programs that are running right now between the uh, World Sixes, GB World Sixes, yeah. and the indoor and us, and these guys are getting pulled in so many directions. So hopefully that that'll settle down come August of uh, 2022 this this year. And as we approach our cycle um, for July 2023 in San Diego, 
And we, we, we really start to get dialed in and all get on the same page, which I know we will. And the commitment level tunes in, which is what we need to happen. Yep. Uh, we, need, we need the commitment level from our U.S.-based players to be on par with, with our expectations, which is being at you know three to four training camps in Manchester mm-hmm. or at least uh, in England because one of them might be in, in London yep. uh, over the next 12-month period from August 2022 to July 2023. There, there needs to be the commitment level. Because that goes back to what I believe is that I need to have a positive impact on England across. Because a lot of those guys may come and they may be awesome, but they're they're going to go back to my side of the pond. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So listen, there's a healthy balance in everything. So those are some of the considerations. And you know, when I'm coaching those guys, my current players, they're who are on the training 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 camp squad. And, you know, some of those guys are on the GB squad and some of those guys are on the indoor squad that I'm hoping one day, if it hasn't happened already, they're able to take my teachings, my philosophy as a coach, okay, and if they haven't done it already because some of them are already coaches, implement some of my philosophy, some of my, and not necessarily even the, the X's and O's, which I'm pretty sure they've, I, actually, I know they've stolen already, <laughs> which is good. Because now they're part of my coaching tree. Um, just, you know, my approach. And, you know, granted, granted, it's not perfect. There's things I need to work on. Um, there's, and and the, that's why me, Mike, and Sam make a heck of a team. Because I feel like, you know, some things that I'm weak at, they're great at. And things that, you know, you know, everyone's got improvements. Some of the things that they might not be great at, yeah. I'm filling that void for them. We've had them um, both on the show, and the one thing that sticks out about them is how much they care. Like they do you care. You can just have a conversation with them, and I've all, every conversation I've had with them both, they've both done an episode. I've spoke to them individually. They just care. It's very, very obvious how much time and effort they yeah. put in because the amount that they care. Well, listen. I mean, this is like their, their this is like their bloodline. You know, we talk about lacrosse being a close knit, you know, family oriented sport, and. You know, it's, it's worldwide now. Let's just call it for what it is. And, you know, I, I've gotten integrated to them and they've gotten integrated to me and I'm still learning. But at the end of the day, these guys have dug in the soil over there for a long time. Yeah. So they know the ins and outs. They know the, the pitfalls and, you know, the, the platforms from where, where they, they can look down on things and some of the things that they needed to dig out of. And, you know, hopefully with some of my bright ideas, sometimes not always bright, that we have that healthy balance. And um, it's, just a, it's just a great it's a great experience. And I know there's great things coming. I, I know it, and, and I need to believe it. I'm not just hoping for it to happen. I'm, I'm, I know it's going to happen because I, I believe it through and through. Um, and and we, have, we have a grind coming. We have a big grind coming. And, and it's through that pressure that diamonds are made. And it's through that pressure where we where we become one unit, and, and our goals align, all right. And it's it's not just the goals; it's the process, okay. Because if you set all those goals and you fall you fall short, you start to feel like you failed. Yeah. The okay. Process There's is so that. many things along that process, okay. You talk about individual growth, you talk about player player development, okay. You talk about your impact on England lacrosse, and we run clinics over there. In Manchester, 
Okay, depending on where you're listening to it, it might be over here. <laughs> um, so I'm sorry, I'm talking from Florida right now. Um, you know, and my guys, my players and staff are already teaching, already coaching. You know, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds, eleven-year-olds, guys who are about to go to uni, guys who are currently in high school. Okay, and and, and so the impact is already having a domino effect. And those are some of the things I look forward to, you know, getting that com- camaraderie, getting some of that fellowship um, off the field, okay, getting some of that fellowship in between the lines so we continue to, to pass along the creator's game and re- pay it the respect that it deserves. So when a coach says get on the line and run four laps, you do it. You got it, coach. I don't care how tired or sore I am. Okay, because I'm doing this for the team. I'm not doing it for you. I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it for the guys next to me, my brothers in arms. And I feel like that's a lot of respect that gets lost in this day and age because it's everything's a me, 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 me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. In this society, instant gratification. No, you got to grind, son. I don't care if you did it yesterday. I don't care if you did it 100 times uh, in the previous 100 days. What are you going to do for me today? What are you going to do for yourself today? What are you going to do for your teammates today? Because without that... That thought process, okay, you get you plateau. You reach that plateau, and it's kind of like you're just kind of floating along, okay? You want to keep grinding it out so there's constant improvement, a growth mindset, okay? Yesterday was the only easy day. Yesterday was the only easy day. It's what I do today and what I set my foot up in the morning tomorrow when the sun rises of how I improve. So that kind of gets back to what I'm trying to do as a coach um, in, in all facets of the game, at the high school level, at the international level. I'm looking forward to, funny enough, a lot of the guys' names that I mentioned in this, in this interview, I'm, we're, we're coaching against because the coaches for Team USA next year are Coach Janowski and Coach Tierney. <laughs> so all those 17s, they made me run, coaches, coming back. <laughs> Coming back to get you. So 17s is funny enough. There's something I use as a high school coach, and the boys hate it. I'm not sure they ever hated it more than me. So basically, it's a it's a suicide. Yep. Where they run back and forth, back and forth, and there's a time limit. You don't make that time limit, we add another, and it's highly anaerobic, and your legs are so heavy. So and it's and it's pur- purposely done because when your legs get heavy, guess what happens? Your body starts to tell your mind to quit. So I find out who's who's mentally tough, real quick, real quick. That sounds horrible. <laughs> that sounds horrible. But guess what? It's a foxhole mentality. You know, yeah. we, we 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 grow together through adversity. Yeah, I'm with we you. win games because we 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 push each other during practice. You don't win games on game day. That's just the, you know, that's just the execution. Okay. You've, you've won or lost the game the, the previous two or three days of what you put in. Okay? That's just a show that everyone sees, you know, on game day. Okay? It's what you've done in preparation and your mind, body, and soul and your skill level that enables you to perform and execute on game day. Yeah. I'm with you. I always say to the boys that I, I coach at a university level over here, but I always say to them, um, 
because I've caught them doing it. They'll be training like the day before a big game or two days before the big game. And I've said to them, look, as of Wednesday for this big game, you're done. Like you're not doing anything else. You're relaxing. You're getting ready. Like mentally, that's fine. But physically, if you haven't got it by Wednesday, you're not going to get it Thursday or Friday. You should you should have it. We should have done enough to do it. Anything that you do physically on a Thursday or Friday isn't going to impact your game on a Saturday. Um, right. It's the same with boxers. Like they, they do nothing for a week before a fight because they've got to be ready before it. I hear you. Same logic. I, I, I know it's funny. I use the analogy all the time, like the UFC and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and boxing. I was like, listen, the fight lasts 15 minutes. Okay? In, in boxing, they have 10 rounds or three minutes. It's like you know 36 minutes, whatever it is. And do you know the amount of hours of conditioning? Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, yeah, coach. And like, do you know why? Like, so there's a 15-minute fight. Like, the normal person or the person who doesn't understand it might just say, well, I have a 15-minute fight. I should train 15 minutes. No. No. <laughs> that's not it. No. Because there's something called fatigue. And it's mental fatigue. Yep. Okay, and then there's the old saying is that fatigue makes cowards of us all. Because when your brain quits, you quit. I hate okay? it. I when you don't have the lines. mental toughness because you're, you're, you're hurt, you've gotten punched in the face per se, yeah. and you're bleeding, and your mouth and everything in your body say, this is no good, this is no good, we need to get away, we need to stop. It's the mental toughness that says, no, I'm not going to listen to that because... If I push through this, if I push my body through this, my mind will allow me to accomplish great things. If I push through this, my team will have success. If I push through this, I will gain people's respect. And the opposite is true. When you quit, you lose people's respect. When you quit, okay, the team doesn't prevail. And it's those mental that mental training and you can't get that mental training without the adversity and being pushed by a coach because somebody else will pu always push you further than you think you're yeah, capable absolutely. of absolutely all day long and with you so you took the you took the role in 2019 um what what attracted you to this role obviously you're in the states um what yeah. was it about the role that you you wanted to go for it um funny enough I married a Brit, <laughs> and right. she she actually found found the gig. You know, she found the gig. Um, I'm not sure how she found it. She, she's always looking at something late <laughs> night online, or she gets up before I do and she's searching something. So Beverly found this, and I I applied. You know, and um, it was it it just became something to do initially to give her some reason to get back to her roots, you know, and obviously for me, selfishly, that it was a chance to increase my lacrosse resume. Yep. To maybe do other things. Because um, it's, it's different. I.e. Coach, coach professional or I.e. coach uh, high-level college lacrosse, you know, once my kids are a little bit older. Um, you know, so it, it, it op I feel like depending on the job um, I do and am doing, that it, it will open up, possibly open up some doors. You know, it's a resume builder, let's be honest, it is. Uh, but it's, it's a heck of a lot of investment, financially, yeah. financially, family sacrifice, okay? Um, 
learning the new territory per se <laughs> in England. Yeah. And you know, just dealing with new people. It's a whole different set of philosophies. It's a whole different set of work ethics. It's a, again, so it's it's literally taking a huge vast body of talent and IQs and personalities and attitudes and meshing them together and, and making a team and building a family. Right? Because if we don't have those tight tight tight, close knit bonds that we're not gonna we're not gonna accomplish the goals we need we need to accomplish. And how you push that family together. Challenges, setbacks so it's quite, yeah, I mean, it's quite the challenge yeah. for you as well. Obviously, you've come over and it's a different kind of program to what you're probably used to. Yeah, um, being, obviously, it's in the UK. Like We'll point out the yeah. obvious here. They're different players from different, you know, they have a different um, relationship with the sport. So what's, what, have you, what was it like when you first came over? Is there anything that particularly um, that you weren't prepared for or anything that surprised you about the, the setup that you walked into? <sighs> Well, there's there's some things I'm sure I probably shouldn't say on this interview. Um, now listen, you know when you talk about England and, and being a world renowned world renowned program, which it is, you know, and and being you know top five in the girls and maybe maybe even top three in the girls and top five in the boys, you know, there's certain expectations that come with that, and you know, um, we have definitely learned to become self-sufficient more than I anticipated. Now, I think a lot of work has been done from Sam and Mike, you know, um, you know, and again, you know, that, that's my expectations and, and that's my growth process, you know, to, to adapt, you know, and the head, the head office does a good job um, with a lot of things and there, there was just certain expectations that I needed to, to change. Um, that's probably the best way I can put it. Awesome. Okay. Which is fine, you know, and they're, and they're ultra supportive of me, um, the, the head office, and so are Mike and Sam. And they're all, we're, we're, we all have one common goal. Sometimes, sometimes that common goal just needs to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. <laughs> you know, and the, the head office has multiple programs, and they're, they're, they're pulled in a lot of different directions. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and, and and you know, just like anything, you know, it's just about getting on the same page at the right time. So that that's I feel like I feel like that's a curve we're rounding, and we'll we'll get there, uh, especially as we like you know again we're we're hitting our cycle, you know. So, sometimes we become as coaches impatient because we want things now, just like the players want things now, and guess what? It's got to wait or work for them. So we're, we're doing that. We're being patient as a staff and working uh, together. And we're working together with our head office to to generate the best product possible in 2023, which is our common goal. Amazing. That's cool. I've got two more questions for you, Doug. And sure. then I will let you get on with your day. It's been great. I, I really appreciate your time. Oh, mate. I've loved having you on. It's been awesome. I, I can't believe you played two sports to that level for that long. That I that's blown my mind. That is absolutely yeah. that well, is a story. T- t- tell in that itself. to my shoulders <laughs> yeah. sometimes. Not the knees. If I if I if I sleep wrong, guess what happens? <laughs> they they remind me. <laughs> they they certainly remind me yeah, about what I've done to myself or my hips playing all those years of turf 
when it was concrete and my skin doesn't look the same on my knees <laughs> and my elbows because it got ripped off so many times. So I'm glad that you say that, but my body knows. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, but anyway, I, again, I wouldn't trade it. Okay, because guess what? You put a basketball out there right now and you put me and my brothers or my, some of my teammates from back in the day, there's going to be more scrapes. You kind of Because that's who we are. Like, we haven't forgotten. Like, it's, remember that time in 98 when you beat me in wiffle ball? It's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> it's been 25 years. I've been never thinking about forget. it. Yeah, but that's forget. just the mindset. Like, you know, we just grow and, you know, we just push each other. And, and that, that's, that's my philosophy all day long. And it's either get get on that get on that ship or get off it. That's, oh what it comes, that's what it comes down to. Start rolling the boat the same way, so we can get the sails up. I'm with you. So this isn't directed at the men's setup. When I, what I'm going to say here, I mean it's directed at lacrosse in England in general, like the, the way the sport is played in England. And yep. What do you think is missing from the English game that would take the sport to the next level, both domestically and internationally, in your opinion? Oh, you're trying to put me in hot water here, brother. There's a catalog of answers. Okay, <laughs> let, let, let me let me take take this uh, stance, um, which is what, what what I believe, and, and maybe I can explain it this way, the best way um, I can, and people kind of can read what they want to read. Okay. okay, U.S. Let me answer it this way: on the U.S. side of the pond. Okay, there are a number of programs, clubs that compete against each other, and it's you know, and and there's there it's a monetarily based program. Yep. So some of them are giving me back programs, um, and but it's through that comp. Like we have U.S. lacrosse, like there's England lacrosse, but under that England lacrosse umbrella, which doesn't necessarily excuse me necessarily run those programs because they don't okay they're like individual businesses yeah. and individual things that go on which i don't believe is necessarily happening on that side of the pond so it's through that competition that free trade you know that marketing yep yeah that when you're you know you're pushing players and and the, and the players have different options because guess what it takes a village to raise a person right or raise a child it does the same thing as a player if they're not exposed to different philosophies as they're growing, different people, different attitudes, different personalities, different mantras, different work ethics, mm -hmm. they're not going to reach their potential. And guess what? They won't necessarily know what they're all about. And I feel like that's the same thing that that makes the U.S. have a little bit of an advantage is that there's a lot of options. Yep. Yeah, that's because there's a lot of there's a lot of mom and pops stores that are selling lacrosse, you know, and they're teaching lacrosse and they're doing it earlier. You know, I I run a camp, Doug Shanahan MVP lacrosse camp in Long Island every summer. Been doing it for 20 years, and we get four and five year olds that can barely keep their head up when they have a helmet on. It's like a little bobblehead, and it's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> but guess what? Mom and dad show up to camp. Yep. They put their pads on, and the kids cry like it's the first day of school, and they don't want to leave. Yep. And by that day four, they can't get them off the field. Yeah, they're loving it. But it's the mom and dads that cry that let, that have their kids cry, which all kids do, and they take them and then they take them home. Yep. Because they, for whatever reason, 
But it's the other ones who push him on the field. And sometimes you have to yell at him. And sometimes you have to pat him on the butt. And sometimes you have to say, it's going to be okay. Get on the field. Go play. That, they, that they're able to have that experience. And that's on the ages of four and five. And that continues to happen. Now, the kids may not cry, but there, you know, there are struggles. Yeah. Emotionally and you know, physically. So getting back to your question is they start a little earlier. They meaning the U.S. And, and, the, and the Canadians. So that gives them a little bit more of an advantage when it comes to IQ by the time they're 18. You know, it gives them a little more advantage when it comes to skill level by the time they're 18 because they, they've started earlier. Yeah. You know, just, just imagine if I didn't let you walk until you were six years old. You're going to be a little behind. Yeah. I started walking <laughs> when I was two. It just, it just, and that's just walking. Yeah, it's not true. And lacrosse, lacrosse is probably the, like the one the number one skill level sport there is, and if if it's not in your mind, which is fine, I can make a heck of an argument that it is. I don't really think it's that's that close, even close you know? to it. Though. Ice hockey's, you know, yeah. skating on ice yeah. and handling a puck. Yeah, handling it's, a puck. It's, it's, it's on the same level. Yep. Okay, but ice hockey players don't do lefty and righty. Yeah. See, now they have ice and they have skates. That's true, but they don't have a hundred yard field and they don't play in the heat. <laughs> you know, so you know, all those challenges, you can make the argument. Yeah. You can make the argument. Yeah, and it could probably make that an argument for for any of the sports. But, you know, and soccer, you know, left foot, right foot, and conditioning, you can make an argument for that being the number one challenging sport and in, in, in ability. But, you know, lacrosse has got that physical component. Yep. Like you're going to get punched in the mouth and how are you going to react? Kind of like football. So, you know, I getting back to my things I said, I guess over an hour ago that with one without the other, for me, I'm not the guy who I am. I'm not the player that I ever became or I, the player I, I like to think who I was. And I, I needed both. I needed both. Cause when guys were doing the off season for lacrosse, I was getting smashed in the mouth by big, strong fullbacks and running backs and, Lyman and you know I was I was honing my 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 lacrosse skills covering some of the fastest guys you know on the planet yeah you know seeing the little jitters and 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 the nuances of moves on the football field gave me a step ahead on the lacrosse field because it was a little bit faster yep. and a little bit slower I mean a little bit faster on the football field and then conversely during spring football, I was I was competing, mind, body, and soul. Right, changing my body type year in year out, putting on pounds, getting big and strong for football, slimming down and getting greasy quick and fast for lacrosse. And I was I was constantly training, and it was a competitive environment, competitive environment, competitive environment. And you can't mimic that. You can't mimic those game times. You can't. You cannot. And I, and, I, and I was an environment that I lived in and I thrived in since I was in diapers. I love that's, it, man. That's the household I grew up in. I love it. Now, you saw a lot of broken windows and, <laughs> and casts and, got, and, and we did a lot of things that we shouldn't have done. But, but, when we strapped it on, brother, watch out. <laughs> and, the Shanahan, and the Shanahan line, you know, it continues. Um, you know, with my nieces and my nephews and, and, and my own children. 
and, and, and it's not just the sports. You know, I, I got two young ones that are, are doing great things in, in drama and singing. Um, and my wife is the head of the drama department and, and, and they, and they gravitated towards that. And, you know, I'm still part of me that wishes they played more athletics, but it, it's, it's, it's its own competitive environment, you know, yeah, might not be considered a sport, but geez, they prep. My, my youngest is doing dancing right now. She's always complaining about her thighs, <laughs> you know, she's stretching and you know, that's what they love to do. And that's all that matters to me. They're doing what they love to do. And. You know, and my other niece, I got a niece at Notre Dame, and I, I've had a niece and nephew that have gone to Cortland and uh, um, and Hofstra. You know, they, they've gone through their programs, and, and my brothers continue to coach. Um, so there's a long line of us, and we're spreading my dad's message. And, and you know, I talk a lot about my dad, but my, my mom was a rock, and my mom is a rock. Good, good, good old Rainy. <laughs> Doug, there's one yeah, thing I so, know, and there's, there's nothing more brutal than a drama cut, even a dance cut. Like they, that's they're two serious competitive environments. Oh yeah, they're like oh, fighting yeah. for one position. You know, on a lacrosse oh, yeah. field, you got ten. They got one position to fill. Yeah, like they're they're just as competitive. Um, all right, you betcha. My last question for you. It's a nice easy one. Um, if you could do it overnight, if you could click your fingers and change one thing about the game, other than just getting more people playing it, change one thing about the game, what would it be? Make make a two point arc mandatory for all levels. All right, I like that. It's it's the Go ultimate on. balancer. Go on, tell us it, a bit more. It changes the philosophy of the game. Okay, um, it makes comebacks more. You know, it adds more interest to the game. It, it adds like this whole other element, right? It, it, and it changes the way you coach because then now if you're up four late in the game, yep. it's only two possessions instead of four possessions. You know, and I I, I really th- and listen they've they've already added the clock. I hope they add the, the clock, meaning the shot clock in yep. international. But I really think the two-point arc across the board for all levels, at least from high school up, is, is, is it's just a huge like momentum swing. And it's just a great play. And, you know, it's like a grand slam in, in baseball. Um, if you watch you know, the like PLL. Mary in football. It's like the three-point arc in, in, yeah. in basketball. Okay? Yeah. In a lot of ways, it makes so much sense. And it's easy. It's just a line. Yeah. doesn't take any money to put it down. No problem. It's been used a lot in the PLL uh, last season. I think yeah, MLL, team, uh, uh, MLL and PLL. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, listen, and it develops a different type of player. The LSMs. You need bigger, stronger guys <laughs> who can put it like in a hook. I used to be shoot at one hundred and five mile five five mile an hour plus because it's, it's a sixteen yard arc. Yeah. Now for younger levels, guess what you can do? You can make it incrementally lower. High school could be twelve or thirteen or whatever. And then move it back, just like they do in basketball. College basketball, it's at one distance. Professional basketball, it's at another. So, you know, it just adds a different element to the game. It adds another little more excitement. Um, I think it's easy to do. Um, so that's that. That would be one recommend one recommendation that I can make. Add the two point arc across the board. Yep. That is it for episode thirty five. Special thanks to Doug for coming on the show. 